Welcome to the talk show for talkers from irishtalkers.com. Back Toastmasters to section three of our show today. And this, as you know, is the time where I hand over the reins to Mr. Paul Omani, but not until I've reminded you of our email address, which is info at irishtalkers.com. And our Facebook address is The Talk Show for Talkers. Paul, you have some humour for us today. Indeed I have, Moira. Everybody wants to be funny. Now I know plenty of people who the very last thing they'd like to do is find themselves in a situation where somebody says to them, please be funny. No, I'm not talking about that kind of a situation. I'm talking about the fact that everybody would like to be the center of attention, provided that they could be the center of attention with confidence, without anxiety, without stress, without pressure, that it came naturally and it flowed out of their very being. Because people, from the time we're very young, we see people who are able to grab the attention of others and amuse them and please them and we see the smiles on the faces of other people and explicitly or secretly I think everybody harbors a little desire to be able to bring that bit of a smile to the face of other people. So there's my starting point. How to be able to bring smiles to other people. And that is what I'm going to offer you some thoughts about for the next few minutes. Now, before I start on this, let me just ask you, Moira, can you at least grant me the liberty of making that statement with all the caveats that everybody wants to be humorous, funny, amusing? What yes. Are you prepared yeah. to let me... To take that in, in your stride, I yes, I believe so. I I certainly believe that uh, most people want to be humorous. I wouldn't go so far as to say that everybody wants to be, but you know, um, I I don't uh, I don't answer for everybody. I just answer for the few. No, and fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their quibbles. Absolutely. So there is something that can help us all to be more amusing, to, to be more amusing naturally in the recent edition of Toastmaster magazine. There is a very fine article there, short, thank goodness, and it's written by a chap whose Twitter handle is Pappiness. P-A-P-P-I-N-E-S-S. -S. And that itself is amusing, isn't it? His name is Nick Jack Pappas. Now, he's a professional amusing person. He's a professional speech writer. He's somebody based in New York. He has his own company. And if anybody wants to chase him up, Nick Jack Pappas is in the latest August Toastmaster magazine. Now, Nick has something really interesting to say about how to put humor in. And, you know, I'm thinking also, Moira, that looking ahead over the next few months, there'll be people in a lot of Toastmasters clubs all over the world 
who will be thinking, am I going to enter the humorous speech competition or contest? Now, the humorous speech contest, I should say, is about the last place in Toastmasters that I ever want to be. It is my, my zone of discomfort. So this doesn't come easily to me, but thank goodness for Nick. He has an absolutely brilliant first point in his article and his step one of how to write something, craft something, which uh, we'll just talk about speeches, craft something which will, which will amuse people and which will help you if you're going to enter the contest. His first point is don't be funny. And I thought, wow. Whoever this guy is, he's found a way into my heart. He starts off by saying, don't be funny. Because if you put me up on a stage and said, Paul, you have the whole stage. You have a thousand people in the audience or else you have six. Now, all we want you to do in the next minute is say something funny. I would wet myself. So what does Nick say? Nick says you need to make, no matter what you're doing, you need to make a speech or deliver a clear and concise message, something that every Toastmaster knows from the very beginning of their pads in Toastmasters, a clear, concise message. But what Nick goes on to say is, write your clear, concise message, your very serious points, your very prudent points. Don't try to be funny. Put down what it is you want to communicate. And that's wonderful because you can then say, right, that is exactly what I want to say. Then Nick turns to, he says, the second thing you do, now that you've got your message crafted, a good beginning, good middle and a good end, let's say, no jokes, nothing humorous. He says, then look for pieces in your first draft where you can hang a piece of humor. He calls them handles. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's imagine, Moira, have you ever been a neuroscientist? I have never been a neuroscientist. All right, I, well. I have no ambition to be a neuroscientist, Paul. <laughs> right, your only ambition was to be a top class um, accountant. I realize that, of course, but neuroscientists and accountants, they're usually vying with each other for attention. Isn't that right? I, I guess so. <laughs> anyway, Nick gives a, a line from somebody who's a neuroscientist scientist in one of his lectures and this is what it is he says the hypothalamus makes up less than one percent of brain mass yet it is perhaps the most important one percent great very earnest very exact very educational and rather unmemorable so it that is not likely to cause anybody to smile Everyone will look studiously and furrowed brow and think, do I really need to know this? And then Nick is talking about this particular neuroscientist who's delivering uh, a, a, a message to a whole lot of young people who are turned on to politics and they're very keen to change the world for the better. So what he adds in is the other 99% of the brain was responsible for the occupy hypothalamus movement a few years ago. Now, if you've been in the Occupy Wall Street movement in 2011, 
you're likely to fall around the place because the idea that it's the Occupy Hypothalamus movement, which of course is, is you're, you're fighting for hearts and minds, so you want to occupy people's minds, and that's the Occupy Hypothalamus movement. That is an example of something that is making, turning something that's earnest and accurate into something that is amusing and memorable. And I thought that was a super little example. It's not laugh a minute stuff, but if you go through your speech and you find pieces of it where you can insert the humor, you don't start with the humor, you insert it afterwards. Now, what about that for a, an approach? Well, I'm, my hypothalamus is definitely interested in what you're saying, but I'm not sure that uh, the rest of me is. But maybe the rest of me is trying to occupy my hypothalamus. <laughs> I, I, I do take what he says on board because I know that when I write a speech, I find it impossible to write humour into it. It's just, not, it's just not in me. But I am capable of adding humour in once I've written what I want to say. So I write my speech and then I look at it and I see, now where can I get some laughs? And there's usually two or three things that I can make a hook and say, yeah, if I say this differently or if I add a little bit in, I can get a laugh. But actually to well, sit I down and, and write that from the beginning as, as humorous, I would find that extremely difficult. If not well, Moira, it sounds it sounds to me as if you're a natural professional and an expert in this area without realizing it, because it's exactly that point that Nick is making in his article, and he is representing himself in this short piece in Toastmaster magazine, and he's representing his company and he's representing his reputation by choosing to make that point. So, I. I have to say that it never crossed my mind to insert humor after I had drafted my speech. I was aiming to bring the humor in naturally as I went along, and I was every single time failing. I, now, I if agree, I'm in a pub, I agree totally. I can, occasionally, yeah. I, I can say something humorous if I'm not uh, just with a group of people. And I know you're with a group of people when you're you're, you're making let's uh, uh, being a contestant entrant, but uh, I certainly found it a very refreshing point, and I I certainly think that that was a quality point that Nick has put in there that somebody might like to consider. And Nick has a second point, which I'd like to highlight as well, because he says that the hardest thing in the world is to say something humorous to a huge variety of people when you know nothing about them. Now, if you're talking to a big group of people, let's say, in a Toastmasters meeting, and you know almost nothing about them except for the fact that they're, they're also Toastmasters, you don't know whether they're architects, accountants, whether they're bus drivers, whether they're painters, plumbers, whether they work at home or whatever. Let's say you know almost nothing about them. What Nick says is that the most important thing that will give you reliable humor 
is to say something humorous about something that everybody is interested in. And since you haven't a clue what all the people are interested in, there's only one thing you can rely upon, and that is that they're looking at you. And when the people are looking at you, you should make, say something humorous about yourself in the direction of yourself. Make, say something funny which is, has got a target, and that's you. Now, that, that, he makes it very concisely, and I highly recommend that point. And that makes a lot of sense, because self-deprecating humour is the easiest thing for any individual to do, in, to, to produce humour, to talk about yourself, and to make, to make fun at yourself. Well, that brings us to the end of this humorous section. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every Friday afternoon at 4pm Dublin time. Check on our website, irishtalkers.com, for more information.